0: Coming up, what an excellent day for doctors. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 35 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan-Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Dr. Klein shouting, At least we think it
1: is! And it ends in the middle of Chris asking, Do you think I should take her to a psychiatrist?
0: Hmm. Now, I don't know about doctor's etiquette or maybe the etiquette of doctors in the 1970s, but this guy comes off as really smug and sure of himself. And I was trying to figure out whether that was because he's talking to a woman or maybe because we the audience already know he's wrong. Um and these are both <laughs> things I want to talk
1: about. Yeah, we assume that he is. He comes in, he's got this what looks like a giant desk. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right, and he has to come in and he flings his um, his coat off and he puts it in there. Yeah. Everything in the office is made to, you know, give him power. That that is typical of any kind of office, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know if we have many office visits like this anymore that are where we're sitting down talking about diagnosis in an office in front of this giant, like, I don't know, Mr. Burns desk, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems like nowadays it's more it's more cozy. They're on the same side as you uh, uh, with the desk oftentimes, right? They're sitting down with you. Right. Um, or they're behind a computer, and you understand why they're doing it because they, they're doing work to help you as opposed to having this giant thing to separate themselves from you. with In front of all their goddamn diplomas, your fancy college <laughs> college papers back there
0: <laughs> like like nowadays nowadays like again like we're talking about aesthetic we're talking about like colors and orange and blue and and you know calming greens and and you know uh sterile you know clean whites and and stuff like that in in hospitals and then also you know giving uh, uh people in the waiting rooms you know things to do things to keep their their brains occupied i also
1: think yeah dr like, phil an- on and uh, family yeah. Feud on in the waiting room
0: right and i also think like another little addition to that is just how doctors have uh have Learned or, or I guess decided how to like present their you know diagnoses like w- in an office, like like now it's like, hey you know it's like yeah, like you said, uh keenan, like we're on the same level i'm here to help you like i'm you know i'm going to you know walk you through this process and make you feel as safe and comfortable as possible. this one it's like I know more than you, look at all my diplomas, look at my shiny red car, look at my huge ass desk i you know I have all the knowledge you know. Fuck you, your daughter has a disorder of the nerves.
1: <laughs> She's real weird.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I should know I'm a
0: fucking doctor. Look at these things. Yeah, I think
1: you're always, you know, you're always designing your spaces to fix the problems of the previous generation, right? So, yeah. So I'm sure at some point there was um, a lot of, you know, before the 1970s in this Klein style doctor, it's like a lot of people who, like, why should I even listen to a doctor? Who cares? Mm. Why don't I, why don't I do the things I used to do back home in my small town, you know, mm. with, with my, my, like Mary Karras, right? Right. She's right. like taking it. She's like, oh the doctor says I should do this or that. Oh, who, who cares about what the doctor? Says what do yeah. they know?
0: He doesn't have a big desk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. If he had a fake ficus and a big desk and then and maybe I'd give him a of, listen. Uh, yeah. Diplomas in Latin on the wall. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I like that. Yeah. So like, yeah, like history, you know, we, we learn as we go. It's like, yeah, we fixed the problem that we were having in the last era, the last Mm -hmm. generation. So yeah, we need to, we need, we need doctors in the seventies to be more powerful and authoritative and, and, you know, speak with, uh, with, uh, what is it ethos, right? Rather than pathos. Oh Um, yes.
1: Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Um, now they, now, yeah, they have design spaces where we're, we're working together for your mm -hmm. care, as opposed to me working on you and your body. We're working together and, uh, it's a natural and there's real ficuses <laughs> and, and there's murals of nature and greenery and, and mm-hmm, the ocean mm-hmm. on the walls. Instead so, of much just, you know, so much life. So much yeah. life here. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're trying to take care of the whole body here. Um, yeah, yeah. and my first time I went to a therapist, um, mm. I was, I was weirded out that she didn't want me to call her Dr. Green. I was like, what? Huh. I was like, what about doctors? No, 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 no. Don't call me that. Wow. <laughs> And here we have, yes, Harold E. Klein, MD, yeah. on his desk, in the big, you know, the um, the big nameplate, the gold nameplate, very Mr. Burnsy nameplate. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a trap door in here somewhere.
0: I was gonna say, I was. <laughs> it's like when a when a patient asks too
1: many questions. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's so nice of you to hear these questions. Uh, so would you mind taking one step to your left? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: God. Ah, okay, so. Going back to this, this um we are predisposed to um to feel a certain way, I think, about Dr. Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it's this trope of like in especially in horror movies or in any kind of like fantastical um movie where something supernatural is going on, something extra special that like science can't explain. Like whenever we're presented with a scientist, with a doctor, with a, a policeman, a person of authority, mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, talking about The Exorcist now, right, we're sitting here, we're looking at Dr. Klein, and we're like, look, we know this isn't normal. We know it's supernatural. We saw the trailer. We waited in line with our friends for four hours. At this point, we've heard stuff from our friends. We've seen stuff in the movie to the point where we know this guy is completely in the dark. We, the audience, are more clued into what's going on. Nobody, nobody in the audience is sitting there like, oh, Maybe it is a disorder of the nerves, which, by the way, the most 70s ass assessment of mental health that there ever was. But Mike, okay, my question, Keenan, is why do we seem to have the requisite scene where a skeptic or a common sense person is trying to explain away the thing? we as the audience know already is a supernatural occurrence like we see it in horror movies we see it in fantasy uh types of fantasy that involve like the real world mixing with the fantasy world there's always a skeptic whether it's a doctor a police officer a parent a teacher like maybe i'm answering my own question here Mm -hmm. someone someone of authority whom we know is wrong and so maybe in this instance we can feel like smarter than them but also like if they're figures of authority, like doctors and fathers and mothers and teachers and police, people whom we trust to protect us and who are supposed to know more than us. So, you know, to keep us safe. Well, now we feel like we're completely alone. The police can't help us. Our parents can't help us. The doctors can't help Chris here. So I guess it's like a one, two punch. It's like, ha, I'm smarter than this doctor. But then it's like, oh shit, I'm smarter than this doctor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's it's both of those things. It's not, Ne- it's not necessarily um, just in the horror or supernatural genre, right? So say it's a murder mystery. Right. They would be like, uh, you know, the the seasoned cop who would say like oh well this you know this is a really open and shut case it's clearly the guy that we think it is right and right. then our hero detective would be like I don't know and we of course would know of course it's not a simple <laughs> it's not a right. simple case it's not the um, the jealous husband that we're told is the is the main suspect we it must be something more complicated or else why would why are we here right yeah so it must be something more complicated than the disorder of the nerves yeah we no one's sitting there going oh yeah my uh, my uncle's girlfriend had a disorder of the nerves just like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and there's also this um there's also this period that a lot of screenwriters will talk about early on. Um, mm. the extra just kind of has a long first act because yeah. we have this like, um, this prologue with Father Marin first, and then we have to introduce two main characters, um, right. Father Karis and Chris. So it's a long, long first mm-hmm. act. Um, mm-hmm. it takes it takes a while in a way that like an executive today at the studio will probably be like, This we have to cut out 20 minutes at this beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a first act moment that screeners talk about is this call to adventure, mm-hmm. right? And you hear about that all the time. It comes from like Joseph Campbell monomyth mythology and his anthropological right. studies of myth, and um, and it's like this um, the the hero or the heroine is presented with this this opportunity, right? And they're so like, hey, do you want to come and be an adventurer with us? Or do you want to come join our gang? Or do you um you know, Jim Hawkins, do you want to go on the pirate ship with um right. with uh oh what's his name? Uh Long John Silver. <laughs> Long John Silver, geez. Oh gosh. I don't know <laughs> what I was gonna Captain Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch. Do so yeah. you want to come on on this journey with Captain Crunch? And like this I want to c- go on a journey with Captain Crunch. <laughs> you prefer to go on a journey with Captain Crunch. Fuck Treasure right? Island. <laughs> Like oh no, there she blows! It's all berries, boys. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah.
0: See, and then, and then, if we if we get swallowed by a whale, mm. well, the ship is going to cut the roof of the whale's mouth.
1: <laughs> Why the hell do you, do does Captain Crunch cut the roof of your mouth? It's it's Why not like I
0: designed like any like like differently from <laughs> any other cereal, right?
1: You're right? it's not made of glass particles. You know, real right. sand yeah. <laughs> from the bottom of the ocean.
0: It's but, just, I don't know. Um, I do love me some Cabin Crunch though.
1: Anyways, where the hell was I? So like Jim Hawkins, like <laughs> yes. it's, it, you know, if if it was, hey, do you want to come and be a pirate with me and hang out with Long John Silver, Jim Hawkins? And he said, sure thing, boss, right? Mm-hmm. We go, what a, what a stupid thing for him to do. That's really idiotic, right? Right, right. Or if it's like a heist movie and I'm like, um, hey, Lester, you you got this great teaching gig and you got this podcast going and, and things mm-hmm. are going really well in your life. Do you want to get back into the heist business with me tomorrow <laughs> and go and go rob this bank? You know, it'd be like, oh, no, why would you want to do that? So the function of the call to adventure is to be refused. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main character is like, no, 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 no. Um, and and I think that what we have here with Dr. Klein is a is a version of that. So a lot of modern screenwriters um, don't talk about the call to adventure. They talk about this debate period where it's like arguing about like what we should be doing in act two once we get there. Like, like, should we do this? Should we do that? Like, what is this? So, so yeah, in in movies like this, it's, it's less of a call to adventure and more of a debate. Like, you know, is it, should we just uh, take science as its word? Should we take um, the Catholic church as its word? Should we just do things like normal or should we change?
0: Interesting. So, so you're saying that the, the call to adventure, element has been transformed into into this more modern version Um, this debate yeah i
1: think that people just it's just more applicable a little bit like so not all stories are about literal culture adventures so then what is it Mm -hmm. when it's like something like this where it's not that um i mean again with this we have an issue because we have two or three main characters so we're not sure right. what it is right um but when we get to father Karras, that is a little bit more like a, a traditional call to adventure where it's like hey um there we need you to do an exorcism right basically right. and he says no 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 i'm gonna refuse that yeah. right and so the, there isn't like a corresponding thing for chris because this adventure is thrust upon her right she doesn't mm-hmm. she's not like oh you know what i'm gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna cure my daughter's um uh, demon problems and that's gonna get me the big part in the show <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Know, or something like that." It's like, this is going to be fun it just she's trying to survive this so yeah. so here it's like here are these different options for you and, and who you're going to believe and she's like i don't know if i believe any of this mm, mm. none of it's yeah. working for me
0: interesting it's not that i like the empire i hate it
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh um when i talk about star wars that was a star mm-hmm. war you were talking about yeah right? that was, <laughs> uh, yeah
0: star wars minute folks
1: <laughs> or right. like you
0: know like like uh um you know gandalf and uh Uh, And, uh, uh, what's his name?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Boop boop. Boop boop, yeah. (laughs) No, in, um, in Star Wars, the call to adventure in, in the actual film, Star Wars is cut out of the movie. Because there's a literal called adventure where Biggs comes in and he's like, hey, or Weds, I don't remember. Biggs comes in and he's like, hey, I've been, I've been um, out there fighting with the Rebel Alliance. Do you want to come with me? And, and Luke is like, oh, I don't know if I can. I can't do that. You know, so there's a literal called adventure that he refuses. So that gets cut out. And it's only in the special editions. And so the, um, the Star Wars um, called adventure is more like a debate where it's more like he's presented with ideas and, and he, he knows what he doesn't want to do, but he doesn't know what he does want to do.
0: Mm. He knows. He knows what he has to do, but he doesn't have.
1: Oh, I wish I knew the quote. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to apologize for not know. There's tons of people and who know Star episode, Wars line by line, right? Yeah, they, there's
0: tons, and they're all screaming at us right now. They don't need us. <laughs> Kylo, Kylo Ren says it, guys. I know. I know. I okay, was trying to. Ju- if I was, if I was a little bit quicker. Um,
1: if I was I, a little. I bit don't smarter. know. I don't know what the line is, but maybe if you hear okay. it in my Adam Driver impression, it would help you. Yeah. Okay. I know what I have to do but I don't know if I have the whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think, I think, you know what guys, like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I am, I consider myself a, a, a star Wars connoisseur. And I think the next word in there, uh, by Adam driver is cojones. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's that or
1: midichlorians. Um, <laughs> if I wasn't just so butthurt all the time, I wouldn't be so bummed. <laughs> I wish I had the cojones like my grand peeps. <laughs> uh,
0: his was the first his was the first there's that there's that um that image that's floating around of him without a shirt uh-huh yeah and uh, his uh, Woody what was ben
1: swallow uh Kylos. Swo- ben swolo, swolo. sorry yeah, ben swolo.
0: <laughs> um but like his was the first time like like that was when i was like getting my abs and mm-hmm. uh you know working out and losing weight and i noticed like oh oh he does that thing i do where he pulls his pants up like over his over his belly button so you can't see you can see the top of his abs because they're coming out but you can't see the little the little extra little fanny pack that's uh that hasn't gone away yet oh is know?
1: that what happens you get yeah, I, i've never gotten my abs <laughs> my abs haven't come in yet yeah, yeah. so as they come at, at the top first they, they work they their they way do at the
0: top yep yep yeah the, the bottom abs are the last thing to uh to emerge <laughs> oh wow so yeah so if you so want like, to walk around on the beach to. and you're not you're not. Uh, quite done yet just uh pull your pants up a little bit you know. <laughs> well that's
1: good to know yeah he must um, i mean he he um i don't know i think he's always been swole right he was a marine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. before he became an actor so it yeah. was just like in the transition of bodybuilding i guess
0: yeah now we're now we're making adam driver fans mad um
1: oh i no, love adam driver my friend no, no. calls him adam pile driver <laughs> <laughs> That's her movie star crush, is Adam Driver. Oh wow,
0: I love him too. Like like I I, I have great respect for uh, people who can do like really dramatic roles mm-hmm. and really comedic roles, and you know jump back and forth uh, like that. It's and and he is he is a really good actor in everything I've seen him. Uh, yeah, in
1: in, yeah. in Marriage Story, where he 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 nails those ordinary people type scenes, but with a um with his Kermit the Frog voice, it's really yeah. great. <laughs> don't you don't you ever talk about my father again like that. Mm. i'll never catch you talking about my father again Mm. great he's wonderful
0: there's a there's a brilliant snl skit where he is it's like um it's like meet the parents it's like the parents come in to talk about their careers at school (laughs) Uh and he's an old-timey like oil baron (laughs) yeah he talks about like like crushing his enemies (laughs) under his feet it's like very mr (laughs) Burnsy.
1: Yeah, he really goes all out with that makeup, too. That's very funny. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Mr. Burns. Okay. So um, we got Dr. Klein here. here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, okay. I guess another possible reason for this guy's smugness, I'm talking about Dr. Klein here, is that he's a man and Chris Mm -hmm. is a woman. And this was Mm -hmm. a time when women were simply not heard or listened to in the doctor's office, let alone taken seriously. Um, I'm not saying that everything is fixed now and we're all okay. Uh, I'm just saying that it was much more so uh, in the 1970s. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's still work that people are doing. Like doctors are still having to be trained to listen to women today. Um, but I think the presumption was back then that, 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 wasn't even something you'd want to try. There's no reason to. Right. Yeah. And there, there's still, uh, I hear about doctors retraining it, like how to work with, um, people of color and fat people, uh, you know, and have different, um, you know, changes in their, in their bedside manner about that. Um, there's like a, an alarming number of polls where, um, med students and some doctors, uh, answer true to the true or false statement that, like, do black people have thicker skin than white people? Oh my God. Uh, and there's, you know, uh, the, the like doctors? Yeah. And, and med students and doctors. And the, you know, the, the right percentage would be zero <laughs> because that's just not true. But then it leads to all this, these issues where they're, they're assuming that, you know, that if a black person is, um, experiencing they think that they experience less pain than white people and therefore need better care and then oh all these you know, awful um, repercussions from that
0: yeah i was reading another like uh, article um and and i can't i don't have it here with me but just uh, uh, you know speaking of uh, people of color as well you know and women of color also like mm. let's uh, like like imagine in the 1970s not just being a woman but being a woman of color and just not having any say at all in your your like physical health when you're at the mm-hmm. doctor's office, because like anything you suggest, it's like, Hey doctor, I think, you know, uh, this might be, or this is my, my case history, or this is my, mm-hmm. um, these are my symptoms and like just them just not listening. Like, right. it's, God, God, it, it must've been so ah, freaking hard. Um, and again, right. like we have a, we have a, a long way to go. We have, we have lots of work to do still. Um, but yeah, like that, this scene kind of like, you know, screamed at me that, uh, yeah, this, this doc is not, um, is not here in uh, uh, Chris. Yeah, um, and so I, I want to read to you guys from an article uh, titled "Medicine and Wife Abuse in the 1970s." Mm. This is from the National Library of Medicine website, um, and it's actually uh, part two of a series of articles of the history of uh, like nursing and domestic violence. Um, so, so this is it right here. So, and folks, uh, before I read this, just a you know a, a trigger warning. Uh, some of this stuff is uh, really really heavy um, in involving like violence and stuff like that. Um, okay. It starts out, in a letter written in the early 1970s, one battered woman described the medical neglect she encountered after a series of excessive beatings by her husband. These beatings included being whipped, thrown on the floor, kicked in the abdomen while pregnant, and hit in the head, chest, and face. After finding no support from local clergy, the clergyman told her to be more tolerant and understanding and forgive him the beatings just as Christ uh, Christ had forgiven uh, me from the cross. She turned to her doctor for help. She reported, I was given little pills to relax me and told to take things a little easier. I was just too nervous. I did go to two more doctors. One asked me what I had done to provoke my husband. Fuck you. The other had asked if we had made up yet. This story was reported in feminist activist uh, Del Martin's groundbreaking expose of domestic violence in 1976, Battered Wives. The survivor's story is consistent with accounts from thousands of other abused women at the time. I'm sure it is. My God so uh oh were you gonna say something
1: no just that the exorcist so yeah so in a lot of ways the exorcist is a time capsule for the society that created it and we have yeah. you know an unhelpful <laughs> doctor here um you know in how does you know i was gonna say something, something you know it's a demon it's it, it's a fantastical demon um problem that they're having but you right. know we have doctors who are doing much worse and much worse real cases
0: yeah yeah i do like i mean i think somebody commented uh on on that right like the idea of like using fantastical stuff like especially in horror using like monsters and demons and ghosts and everything like that as a way to make a commentary on like what's really really scary in the world and this could be uh maybe uh you know as much as like the shining you know uh it it could be a commentary on domestic abuse and things like that and alcoholism uh certainly Mm -hmm. um you know this could also be a, a commentary on how far we have to go when we're talking about like doctors listening to their patients or, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, female patients uh, specifically.
1: Yeah. Systemic change is needed. We were talking about this in the Halloween episode with Andy Nelson, our bonus episode. I was talking about how sometimes, you know, we think of of um, this time period as being where the second wave of feminism is is coming and so like where is that in the movies it takes until like the late 1970s before we have movies that are about women and women's liberation like annie hall is in 1977 coming home is 1978 norma ray is 1979 right. well, but so like where have all these where has this been you know and it's not a whole lot when you're looking at movies from the 70s themselves but they are often sublimated into genre films so The Exorcist and Alien and Rosemary's Baby, right? These are these are where a lot of the issues of feminism and women's liberation and um, gender inequality are going first into genre before it's being explicit. Yeah.
0: So yeah, this is a, a typical situation for women in the 1970s. Um, the book was written in 1971 and the movie came out in 73. Uh, we were in the midst of like, uh, Keenan just said the second wave of the feminist movement in America at this time. But I wonder, uh, and you might have just uh, uh, answered this uh, for us, Keenan. But like, I wonder how Blatty, how I wonder how aware Blatty and Freakin were of it, of this movement, when they created this character, constructed this scene, and later and later scenes where Chris is talking to other doctors, all men. I guess my question is. Is Dr. Klein a commentary or is he an accident? Mm-hmm. Did, Blatty, did Blatty write a smug, asshole, misogynistic doctor when he was actually just trying to write a doctor? Mm-hmm. And, and likewise, Freakin and and you know Barton Heyman, the guy who, who plays uh, this doctor, did they make the choices like, okay, Dr. Klein is a smug asshole or – Did they really just think, oh, Dr. Klein is a good doctor. He's helping Chris. He's doing what he's doing, what doctors do.
1: Yeah. Probably the actor is trying to approach it that, that what they're doing is right. Right. That's typically how you would do it. Even if you're playing someone who's, you know, not good at their job, you think you're doing really well. Hmm. But but yeah, I think that we're missing some things we've you might see in other 1970s movies with blowback from the male characters explicitly calling out Chris as a women's libber. I don't think we've gotten that yet, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think right. we hear a lot of it. Um, so so yeah, I mean uh, there there are other films from the time period where where it's dudes going like, are you one of those? You know, are you one of those women's libs girls? Are you one of those right, um, right. those agitator girls? And I, I maybe we'll encounter some of that as we go along, but I haven't. I don't remember it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe Friedkin and Blatty are on the, the right side of this. <laughs> Cause there, there was obviously, um, you know, when we think of a lot of alpha males like them, you know, guys who were out there at the top of their pack of their, um, of their fields, there was a lot of pushback from people, um, from dudes who were, um, who were, who saw the feminist movement as something that needed to be commented on that needed to be stopped. I don't really see that here.
0: Yeah. Um, we're definitely I, like, like, whatever the case we're on the other side of this big mr burns doctor desk we Mm -hmm. are we are with chris uh in this and we're looking at dr klein um and we're not sure if we can trust him yet we're not Mm -hmm. you know like like maybe chris is a little bit hopeful i mean she obviously doesn't know about you know uh the demonic possession yet but you know so she's she's looking at this guy like maybe he can help my daughter yeah um yeah Um, Okay, so now let's look at this doc's assessment of Reagan's condition, disorder of the nerves. Uh, Very vague, but okay. Uh, And she shows all the symptoms, hyperactivity, quick temper, performance in math. Oh my God, Keenan. I had disorder of the nerves. I'm telling
1: you, it's going around. Yeah, I, I, I think
0: I still might have it. Um, again, I can't tell if this is like fake doctor speak made up by like a Hollywood writer or how they actually assess mental health back then. Like we didn't even talk about this, Keenan. Do you know where we get the word hysterical?
1: Oh, indeed I do.
0: Okay, uh, like like folks. Oh, okay, Keenan. Uh, enlighten us, please.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we still use, we still use that, uh, for instance, like in a hysterectomy where we say we're going to, we're going to remove the, the, the hysterical part, which is your uterus. So to be hysterical is your uterus taken, taken over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which it's just like, yeah. So, so like the, the, it comes from the Greek word for uterus and mm-hmm. doctors originally used it, used the term hysteria and hysterical, which means something completely different now. Right. right. Like we, we say, it's like, Oh, I, I watched this comedy show of the three stooges. They're
1: hysterical. Yeah.
0: Right. Now <laughs> dudes can be hysterical, even if they don't have a a, a hyster or right. whatever. Um, uh, like, but it was very specific to, uh, uh, women as like a catch all diagnosis for any problems that they were having. Right. Mm -hmm. You look back at those like old movies, right? You look back at those old movies where men would like haul off and just slap the woman because she was being hysterical, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or they would say it's like now don't go flying in, into hysterics over this thing right yeah
1: so, um you know and freud and people of his ilk would would try to um cure women of their hysteria with what were essentially sex toys you know maybe they didn't necessarily know that but they would use like vibrators and, and things like electroshock on the on the genitals and vibrations to cure women of their hysteria um and you know that was seen as uh well i was going to say perfectly normal it wasn't necessarily wait, 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 seen wait,
0: wait, as normal wait, 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 okay like, pause pause it wasn't just, mainstream yeah okay just a second mm-hmm. you said you said two things
1: <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> what um, did I say?
0: You, like, when you talking about sex toys, uh-huh. um, you said, said vibrations. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. And then you said electric shocks.
1: Yeah. You, I, you double-checked me on that, but yeah, I believe so. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just like, you know, like normal sex toys, like vibrators. When, uh, electric yeah. Shock. I mean, these were these were like, you know, the, the 1890s versions. Okay. Of them. Okay. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were safe.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound calming or fun
1: at all. <laughs> Um, you know, this will make you less stressed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I've talked to some of my students about that, you know, in old movies, women used to faint all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. they'd be upset about something and they would just faint. And that seems to be not entirely a creation of the media itself um it seems that women did faint at higher rates back then um it was part of the culture right once women when women were expected to faint if there was something emotionally bothersome to them um they tended to faint more so mm. you know the all of this goes together so i'm mean, I not mean, obviously these are these diagnoses are invention of of men so i'm not saying that right. women were we making it up but it was you know internalized you're told constantly Through books and movies, you know, and that kind of thing, but also just by doctors and scientists that, you know, if women get too upset, they're just going to faint at any given time. Right.
0: Right. So we're not saying so just to clarify, folks, we're, we're not saying that like women back then were more prone to fainting. We're saying that like society told them they were more prone to fainting and like, like if society tells you, and so they did. Yeah. It's like, if society tells, you know, uh, men that, you know, every Thursday, um, they're going to quack like a duck. Um, <laughs> when, you know, when they hear the, um, when the ice cream van, uh, comes by <laughs> and like, if you, if you get it like, yeah, you can society like, like we can, we can trick our, our, you know, brains into doing anything. So uh-huh. yeah, this is just an, an unfortunate, like psychosomatic, like, like, you know, it's like, well, that's, that's what they're supposed to
1: right, do. Right, just culturally. Know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, all right. Disorder of the nerves, for which this guy prescribes 10 milligrams of Ritalin per day. Now, Ritalin, as early as 1955, was commonly prescribed for ADHD. And it's weird, looking at the history of ADHD, there seems to be a huge gap in research and recognition between 1955 and 1980, which puts our exorcist smack in the middle so i guess similar to knowing that cigarettes cause cancer but still doing it anyway adhd was at this time as mysterious as a disorder of the nerves mm-hmm. or or even oh i don't know demonic possession um and i'm not saying it's it's akin to demonic possession but i'm saying like we knew as much about it as we as we knew about uh something like as mysterious and supernatural as demonic demonic possession um <laughs> There's a version of this movie where Dr. Klein comes in and he puts his feet on the desk and he says, well, your daughter is clearly possessed by an ancient Mesopotamian demon king of the Southwest wind variety. Yes, it's very common. We get it all the time, more often than you'd expect. Now here's some pills. Just give these to her and tell her to stop being such a hysterical broad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he's got his – he doesn't have his feet up literally, but like he's got his arms. He's doing that thing where you're lying back in a, in a rolly chair and getting putting your arms up. And resting your head there like, we got this all solved, chicks.
0: Yeah, again. I actually I actually had to rewind and check because I was like, I swear his feet are up because he, <laughs> he has that feet up on the desk right. attitude. And I was like, okay, his hands are in the back of his head. Right. But like his feet, no, his feet like, are not up. Like, but, like Ferris I swear Bueller
1: God. planning his day off, right? Yeah. He's like, this is easy, Cameron. We got this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Okay, so now I think we can also look a little at the visuals of this minute. Lots of stuff to look at here. Firstly, so this is a like I was saying at the top, this is a weird office. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what it is. It's it's very open. Um at the top of this minute we see there are at least two doors leading into the office. Dr. Klein leaves what I assume is the, you know, the examination room or whatever uh room we decided that was. Um and he enters through one door while the camera follows through another open door and we have what looks like a long meeting table between us and the characters at first and then we cut and now we're closer to them Uh, as klein takes off his coat and he sits down we follow him so that chris is now out of frame and we appear to be sitting across from klein with his desk between us as if we are the patient or or the parent Mm -hmm. um uh, he rattles off reagan's symptoms like i said right hyperactivity quick temper poor performance in math to which chris chimes in she's like yeah why the math so, I guess we can assume two things: one, Reagan is normally pretty good at math enough so that they would notice when she isn't, mm-hmm. and two, Bazuzu is shit at math <laughs> How do you okay, Keenan, how do you think that interaction went like there's a scene somewhere Reagan's at, at school, and she's taking a test, and she's like, "Captain Howdy, can you help me with this word problem And Captain Howdy's like, "I'm an ancient demon, I have the wisdom of the centuries at my command, of course, I can." Ah, shit, this is new math.
1: (laughs) See, he and Chris would get along complaining about the new math. (laughs) Right?
0: But it gets even better because according to my research, Pazuzu's been around as early as the 8th century BC and mathematics wasn't even studied as a discipline until 200 years later in the 6th century BC. So for Pazuzu, regular math is new math. (laughs) Folks, the minutes of research it took me to formulate that stupid joke, I will never get back. Okay, speaking of minutes, uh, let's get back to this minute. So there's an hourglass on this desk, or maybe it's a minute glass mm. and it, like because it's, it's much smaller. Um, in any case, we see that all of the sand is resting at the bottom, perhaps to signify that time has already run out for Reagan. I know just a little while ago I talked about how weird it is to have these doctor scenes where they're trying to offer up a logical clinical explanation for something we already know is supernatural. And it doesn't stop here. We go through countless invasive, exhaustive medical tests and examinations, and I think we are supposed to know, even as they're being done, that they are fruitless. Mm -hmm. This is pointless and also painful. It's hard to watch. It's hard to sit through all these tests when you know they're not going to find anything. Nobody in the audience is sitting there like, oh, maybe maybe this test will tell us something. No, everybody is silently screaming at the screen to stop with all this medical bullshit and to get on with the exorcism. (laughs) They didn't buy a ticket for a movie called The Examination. And I think this little hourglass is a little wink to us saying, hey, none of this is going to help Reagan.
1: Mm. Time is already up. And again, some of the medical stuff in the film is the thing that people are most scared of when they 're watching it
0: yes, yes, there, you know we hear about the you know the people um throwing up in the theaters mm-hmm. or running out or fainting and stuff like that, and I mean, when I heard that anecdotally, I thought, oh yeah, be, like who wouldn 't you know with all that pea soup and that head spinning, mm-hmm. but then I come to find it 's like, oh wait no it's actually these uh, these doctor examinations mm-hmm. that we're going to get to, uh, in, in a little bit uh, right. that were the most, uh, unnerving for people.
1: Yeah. Before there's a lot of demon stuff happening.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Also, uh, this doctor really likes cars. We got a, we got a model behind him, this shiny red model car, uh, behind him. And above that two photos, um yeah he really likes cars he's a car guy um and this makes me think of a really shitty thing he says later on in the book i'm uh I'm not sure if it's in the movie um but if it happens but it happens later in the book anyway um so I'll save it uh for maximum uh hating of this guy <laughs>
1: All right, you're on notice dr klein yeah, yeah yeah he's got like little he's got some toys and stuff on his desk like he's a pediatrician mm-hmm. he's got like a camel and a hippo or something yeah um but he doesn't it doesn't work to make the room feel inviting for children. No. Yeah, so it feels a little like these are his, these are his toys. They're not toys right. for children.
0: <laughs> like if Reagan was in there and she was like, "Ooh, this is a really cool car," he was like, "Don't touch that. Don't touch that. <laughs> right, right. You can't, you can't do that. You can't. You can't touch that. You can't play with that.
1: Right? <laughs> these toy cars are for adults."
0: Yes, and then cut to later, right? Like Reagan and Chris have left, and the nurse comes in to you know uh, check on Doctor Klein, and he's just on his knees, at, you know, in front of the desk on the on the carpet, and he's a, vroom, vroom. <laughs> Oh, you're such a cool doctor, Doctor Klein, driving your fast car. Vroom.
1: Everyone thinks you're really cool, Doctor Klein. <laughs> Yeah. And Chris is listening to him. And I think it's interesting as she sits down there and she instinctively uh, fiddles with her purse and she pulls out a cigarette and she's messing with the cigarette and kind of keeping it near her, her mouth the entire time. Just what she did in the 1970s, I think.
0: Yeah. Men didn't listen to women and everybody smoked because <laughs> Winston's tasted like a cigarette show.
1: Well, this is the 70s. So you've come a long way, baby.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that that is that's all I have for uh, for this minute here um Keenan, you got you got anything else no i think we got a lot out of this yeah we did Whew. and yes folks before we go we now have a listener group for the show on facebook it's called compelling conversations and exorcist minute listener group it's a private group but just request to join and uh we'll let you in and then you can be in here with us And you can talk about the movie, uh, interact with us and fellow fans, post questions, polls, memes, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And of course, as always, if you'd like to leave us a message, our email is TheExorcistMinute at gmail.com, all one word, and we'll be sure to read it. Lastly, if you like the show and you want to help us out, the best thing you can do for a new podcast that's just starting out is to leave us a five-star review, and that'll help other people find us, and we can keep growing this cool community. So, Keenan. Are you thinking what I'm thinking?
1: I think I am, Lester.
0: Folks, until next time,
1: the power power of Adam Adam Driver compels you.
0: Outer (laughs) Space